The TARDIS cloister bell. Imminent disaster. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no. Hi everyone, welcome back to Cloisterbell Podcast, hosted by myself and Liam. I'm Rob, and say hello Liam. Uh, hi Rob, hi everyone. Hi. Back again for our fourth, yeah, fourth Flux review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Village of the Angels. Uh, so before we get to that, how are you doing Liam, and what have you been up to? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Um just been doing the usual really just uh work the usual side there uh haven't been able uh actually uh, did catch up uh, with a friend recently which was quite nice um went to a comedy club which uh was interesting uh there were certain lineups there was one woman who was from hungary and um she was very aggressive from the start and had a very interesting reaction so her her okay. her routine was how um coming from hungary i mean she's been living in britain for about five years i think but coming from hungary um one of the things that surprised her about uh, the british is how is how low our threshold is to be shocked um and to demonstrate this, she she went into a bit about how with with her family, with grandparents and so on, having gone through the horrors of the Second World War, then going into the horrors of the Cold War in Eastern Europe and all the rest of it, of people being starved and attacked and all the hor- horrific things were happening. And hearing all these stories from a young age, obviously th- the ability to be shocked is, you know, it, it takes them a lot. And you go, yeah, okay, this makes sense. And then the end of her, uh, I mean, I think it probably just as well from... I thought it was funny from the reaction it got rather than the joke itself, but she um, she told a rape joke, uh, which was the, uh, which was um, to put the men off, be as passive as possible. Yeah, and the re- it just suddenly, as you can imagine, with a joke like that, the whole room just uh, just went. No, the whole atmosphere just got sucked out of the room. There were audible gasps. Everyone just go. Oh. Uh, it was so. It was like whoa. Okay, uh, that was. <laughs> so it's just like wow. The friend who I was with, um, he he was laughing not at the not at the joke, but it was just sort of like how aggressive she was and the reaction. It was just bizarre. Thankfully, she was the second person on. Uh, so very early on in 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 the thing, and it was just whoa. Okay, um, it was it was a very much a mixed bag. There was one guy on who who was really funny. He he. I, f- I wish I could remember his name. Um, uh, he is a, a computer programmer and animator and he combines that in his stand-up uh, routine and that was really interesting and he had belly you know he had me belly laughing uh, just th- that was really good um, so and he was just he was very silly uh, with the stuff he was telling so it was a really mixed bag of like very aggressive comedy uh uh, and then other people just coming on and just telling like obvious sex jokes, and then and then this guy just being really—it was like a real mixed bag. So that was that. Was, that was interesting. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. um, and then the rest is just yeah, just uh, uh doing a bit of reading. Uh, so I've started reading uh, Charles Dickens' Great Expectations. I've started reading um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, 
but it, this is the original 1818 text, um, which I've never read before. Because I think most people... What's the difference? I don't know yet, because it's been many years since I've read it. And I think most people, for those who have read the novel, would be familiar with the revised 1836 version. Um, so this is the original. So I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, obviously, the, the, there's certain passages I'm reading going, oh yeah, I remember reading this. So I think once I finish reading that, I might go straight into the... Because I've got the other version of it as well. I'll go straight in and then do a comparison. But I'm reading that and I'm really enjoying that. That's a, you know that, that's excellent. Like a director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, listening to an awful lot of Genesis, because uh, they're one of my all-time favourite bands. and Brilliant. Yeah, just okay. delving into their back catalogue. Because I saw them live a couple of months ago now, and that was fantastic. Uh, but that's... And of course, watching Doctor Who. Uh, how about yourself? Um, well, well, you're talking about comedy. I was just watching a little bit of Michael McIntyre before we came live. Ah, right, okay. Um, he's always good. Oh, um, with regards to the one you saw, um, I saw on Facebook. I think it was last month, the month before. Um, Roy Chubby Brown had been kind of um, cancelled and banned from. Um, I don't know where it was. Um, one of the cities uh, in the Yorkshire region, I think. Um, mm. So there's a bit of a campaign to get him, get him back there. What's your stance on getting like comedians kind of boycotted because of the material? I'm against it, really, because I'm for freedom of speech. And um, I mean, I mean, this shouldn't come into it. Roy Chubby Brown's not my thing, really. Um, but. That's you know whatever, and everyone knows yeah. about you know where he comes from, his type of jokes and the, the, the shock value and the satire and everything like that. Um, See me, yeah, it's yeah. not my kind of thing. I've I've watched a um, couple of videos. I mean, it's it's entertaining just for for what it is. Mm. <laughs> it's a bit bizarre, um, and I, th- I think of course we know him from the League of Gentlemen ever so briefly. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Royston yeah. Vasey, the, the town's named after him because that's his real name, as far as I understand. Yeah. And I know that he did a cameo in it as well. Yeah, I love that one. He's like, he's on the news. He's trying not to swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, well, look at that. I I was at a, a comedy gig. Everyone everyone that was in the room knows that you know you're going to get a mixed bag of stuff. And there was a woman um, who was you know, that was incredibly shocking material and stuff that she was coming yeah. out with. But <laughs> although not my thing, and it was just like, whoa, okay, this is interesting. Um, I wouldn't ban it. No. Um, I got the impression, especially with the Roy Chubby Brown stuff, that a lot of the hate comments and um, the kind of people that were wanting to get banned were people who hadn't seen him before and make presumptions. Well, yeah, that it's interesting isn't it when when you get people who are against something it, you know and if the very thing that they're against they don't they don't understand For, funny enough because you know, a couple of podcasts ago i was talking about how i went to see um the last duel at the the cinema which is a very good film um but as i said it's rather unfortunate that um it, it didn't do very well at the box office uh, Ridley Scott, who directed it, has come out blaming millennials, and was like, "Oh, for frick's sake, here we go again!" Blame, blaming millennials for uh, the box office failure because apparently, Rob, people like you and I, because we're millennials, are uh, basically idiots and don't want to watch or learn anything unless it comes from a smartphone. Well, I was going to be really wait. I, I clearly am an idiot. I was going to ask. 
Am I a millennial? <laughs> we are millennials. By definition, are we? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's basically people... For, there's slight uh, leeway in terms of the years, but basically anyone who was born from 1981 to 94, possibly 96, you could stretch it, they're called millennials. And what's the new ones? Like Generation X and Y? Oh, and I, don't, or I like don't know. I really, what does that mean? I really don't care. But be- I'm not done with the kids. So I don't really know. No, no, no. no. But uh, basic. Well, <laughs> it, but it's just that typical thing. I mean, us being millennials, you can't win. Because I remember when it was just uh, millennials. They've got no work ethic and they're absolutely lazy. And then a few years True. later, it was... Um, <laughs> It was, uh, millennials are invading the workplace. It's a disgrace. And go, yeah, because we're working age and we should be working. Mean, what, what? You know, so you're having all those. Can it win? No, you can't. Uh, you can't. <laughs> and then you've got Ridley Scott going, how t- these millennials aren't going to watch this f- film. And you're going, well, I'm a millennial and I watched it. So screw you, Ridley Scott. Um, but anyway, getting to the, anyway, the reason why I mentioned this, it's going back. To the He's po- so old as well. <laughs> uh, was the point that you uh, were mentioning? Some people have uh, because then the lost jewel is now um, within the last uh, couple of days is is now getting talked about. Um, some people are saying, well, um, uh, the movie shouldn't be made because it's uh, it's, it's it's another man's. Um, look at rape and da, 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 and all the rest of it. But then what's interesting is that the people who are criticising the film clearly haven't seen it. And people are pointing this out and going, look, have you seen the movie? Because if you have, um, you clearly wouldn't be making that criticism. Because actually it's, it's a remarkable film, incredibly well structured. Uh, it has something to say and says it very well. Uh, this idea that it's um, it's some sort of excuse for um awful men's be- i mean obviously not all men i'm not saying that you know but but some awful yeah. men's behaviors because it's made by a man it's it's nonsense and clearly you haven't seen the movie and it's one of those it's just it's just bizarre i remember um a bit of fry and laurie did a comedy sketch about this sort of thing uh where it was like on a, right. t- a talk show and you've got um you've got hugh laurie Who's dressed up as a as a fussy old woman complaining about stu- complaining about some program? Just going, oh, but I thought it was disgusting, simply disgusting. I mean, there was no warning given uh, what, what what was to be shown. I mean, not whatsoever. And then the, uh, the television presenter goes, "Did you see it?" He goes, "No, no, 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 no. I didn't see it." And, you know, it's just well, what are you talking about? Anyway, you get the point uh, without labouring it, but. Uh. Alright, okay. <laughs> uh, there's kind of other genres, like not just themes, but like religion, like looking at like Life of Brian and the Da Vinci Code. Um, I forget <laughs> Da Vinci Code got a lot of air, a lot of hate before it came out. Probably people that hadn't read the book. I mean, the, the book's just pulpy nonsense. It's ridiculous. I don't know yeah. how anyone could possibly find that book offensive, apart from <laughs> tastes of literature. But even then, it's just gone, it's a crap book, but it's dead easy to read and entertaining. Who cares? Yeah. Funny enough, I remember because I, I watched, because <laughs> you and I both went to a, a Catholic school, and I remember when I first watched Life of Brian, because I just thought it was a, a great, funny movie. It clearly wasn't, I thought, it clearly wasn't mocking religion. It was mocking people's misunderstandings. I think, you know, if you want to understand... Ironically, yeah. Yeah. I think that if a good shorthand of understanding that film is really the the first scene after the title sequence where you have, you know, Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount and you then pan back 
to the people at the crowd who can't hear it and telling him to you know speak up and going I think it was something about blessed are the cheesemakers, you know, just going, what's so special about the cheesemakers? Well, of course, it's not going to be taken literally. It refers to any manufacturer of dairy products, you know, and and, and all that and just like stupid human behavior. And then this, we could just, you know, calling people baked nose and all the rest of it. That's what the film's about. It's not um, mocking um, like the teachings of Christ. I mean, even the Pythons themselves said that when they were, in the process of writing the script what they what they realized was that in terms of the message that jesus was was teaching of love thy neighbor as yourself and all the rest of it that's not funny that's actually you know really philosophically profound and interesting you can't mock that what you do is you mock people anyway i thought this was a great film i think i must have been 11 when i first saw it or something and i th- do you remember mr curry our re teacher yeah. So I uh, had an RE lesson, and after that, I went up to him and went, Oh, just to let you know, I've, I've watched Life of Brian, thinking nothing of it. And I, his reaction was interesting, going, Okay. He said, I'd keep that to yourself if I were you, which isn't okay. How bizarre. Yeah. Do you think he hasn't seen it? No, of course, he clearly had. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know. But it was just that thing of just, you know, keep that under your hat. I wouldn't go broadcasting if I was you type thing. And then later on you find out, oh, right, because there was this whole history and apparently it was anti-religious, even though it clearly isn't, to ban the thing. Yeah, but, but that it kind of um, it kind of really helped the thing out. It was a bit like the publicity of it. It's like banned in so many countries. Uh, yeah, inclu- yeah, I mean, it wasn't banned throughout the whole of the UK, but the places were, but there were places in the UK which were um, where it was banned. Uh, but the th- uh, Mary Whitehouse... Um, was one of the people complained but it's just like these people are stupid because actually you going around talking about this thing's disgraceful what things that you're talking about oh is it i think i'll go and see it um you know they end up actually providing publicity for the thing in fact they could yeah it, it's it, it did a lot more i mean i think it would have been a successful movie but not as successful ironically if it hadn't been for people complaining about it in fact, because in fact, that, that was the funny thing as well. You know, when Mary Whitehouse would complain about Doctor Who, the viewing figures would shoot up the following week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jonathan Turner had this this thing where he said where he 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 would pray that Mary Whitehouse had seen it and complained about it because then she would make a stink about it and then that would that would that would uh, improve the view yeah. uh, the viewing figures the following week. Aye. I wish someone would uh, rant and rave about us. <laughs> <laughs> what would they say? The close of that podcast is just dis- disgusting. Yeah. Liam never stops laughing over stupid things. <laughs> um, so I don't think I've been up to much this week. Uh, of course, I did the live stream on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were there, you in, in the comments. Yes, I was, yes. Yeah, you had, had a presence. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow steering the conversation towards the twin dilemma. Yes. <laughs> um, so that went on from nine o'clock till midnight. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Carolyn from My Adventure in Space and Time, Luke and Harry from Who Can Convince You, and we had Matt from Neither the Time Nor Space podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good. Yeah. It, the technical side of it actually worked this week. There was no jittery effects or music. Um, but I kind of think that's that's in in the theme of like the flux, like the glitchiness of it. It was intentional. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm considering uh, opening with the opening tales to Brookside next week. It's funny you should say that. Um, there was 
there was an all-staff video conference at work today and um, uh, I was in the office with a few people and there was a, a bit, I mean, the whole thing was incredibly dry, if I'm honest. And uh, one of the people given the presentations is from Liverpool. But it was funny because they were trying to s- disguise their accent, um, but right. but they couldn't. They were clearly, it was a very strong Liverpoolian accent. And um, while she was giving her presentation, I couldn't help it. I started playing the Brookside theme in the office and everyone just was howling with laughter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's funny you should mention that. That's, that happened today. Yeah, cool. that's brilliant. Um, at work a few years ago, yeah. at a different job, um, I was just playing like TV theme tunes. Mm-hmm. And I put Brookside on. <laughs> and I was the only person old enough to know it. Bloody hell. <laughs> um, for those that who are listening and may not know, um, Brookside was a, a, a British television soap opera broadcast in the between the I forgot when it started sometime in the eighties and ended in the nineties I think or early nineties. A lot of possibly. episodes, yeah, yeah. And it was set in Liverpool, so mm-hmm. uh, that's the connection. Yeah. Talking about being old, uh, I came across um, a, a Twitter uh, uh, a tweet and tweet. Yeah, <laughs> you are old. Yeah. you know what it's called. And, um, a tweet. I I am. For a moment, I couldn't even remember what you called them. Um, came across a tweet, and it was about the movie The Shining. And this person had said they were watching it with a with a younger person, probably someone in their like early 20s. And you know when uh, Jack Nicholson is using the typewriter, old Jack, you know, he's typing away. Yeah, yeah. The young person said, what on earth is that? Really? Yeah, and it's just, that's a typewriter. So, oh. yeah. I was I was sat in the car um, taking my daughters to work uh, this morning, so I dropped my my oldest daughter off and my youngest daughter. Um, she on the car radio. There's a there's a mute button for the radio with like a, a picture of a telephone handset on. Mm-hmm. So I was explaining what the image was and why it's a telephone. Um, I had to explain what what a, what like a house phone is. <laughs> um, and so I said, you know, um, when I was little. We didn't really have mobile phones. We just had the house phone where you just pick the bit up and put the numbers in. Mm-hmm. And she, she was like gobsmacked. Went, so you couldn't even play any games on it. <laughs> yeah, you could just you couldn't people. even FaceTime. It was like no, you could just you could just talk to people, <laughs> but you had to put in a really long number. <laughs> and she was like smirking, like with her mouth wide open. She couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, you know when uh, well because the save symbol on. On uh, on Word documents is still the floppy disk symbol. Yeah, the good old floppy disk. Yeah, there must be people who. I mean, if the, if the, if they stopped and go, people don't. It's my go-to question. Do you know what a floppy disk is? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But why would you? It was just. I'd, it'd be, I've still got a. Uh, I think you have as well. I've still got some VHSs. I've still got some floppy disks. Have you? What on earth for? Well, I've got dozens of Amiga games. Wow, in Commodore okay. 64 loft. You know what? I've probably got a few floppy disks from school. Uh, that would take like 60 minutes to format on those old Mac Mac computers. So long. <laughs> oh, wait till you get to the point, Rob, when you're having a conversation with your kids and you've got to explain that uh, we could only connect to the internet through dial-up. Yeah, <laughs> I've tried to... I've tried to... I'm not going to... I've tried to explain the sound, like 
Yeah, how do you do? There's no other way to explain it. Yeah, it's. Don't <laughs> look at you, God. What are you doing, you insane old man? But yeah, yeah, yeah. There was um. There was a really. Do you remember two point four children? Yeah. So for those that don't know, it was a a popular sitcom that ran throughout uh, the whole of the 90s on the BBC. And I was watching um, some reruns uh, a couple of years back. And there's there's an episode when David, who's the son, gets a computer... And all the family of there's the whole joke of that he's he's somehow managed to commute because he's like, only because he's logged on he's logged onto the internet he's uh, he's managed to get in contact with the FBI and the whole family start freaking out and there's a bit when he's explaining you know what a computer is what a modem is and of course that you know you you would have had to do you would have to do that to a 90s audience because the vast majority yeah, of people wouldn't so. have been able to you know but watching it now you just go wow you've actually got a I mean it really dates it. Because you've just got to take a moment out in the writing to explain what a modem is. Strange. Hmm. Different times. <laughs> Very different times. <laughs> they were better times, though. Yeah. I know, I kind of... I wish we were born a bit sooner, so we weren't on my phones all day. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you're not. <laughs> Maybe I just don't have self-control. <laughs> <laughs> it took... I mean, it, it took me ages to actually get a mobile phone. Um, I didn't get one. Well, I was given one as a Christmas present when I was um, uh, when I was when we were in year seven. Oh yeah. Um, but I, you know, and I was very grateful for it. But at the same time, it's just like, but what am I going to use this for? So I never bothered with yeah. it. Uh, and then I didn't really get a, a mobile until I was at uh, university, which was two thousand and five. Yeah. And even then, uh, we didn't have smartphones. They came out a no. year or two later. Well, when we were in school, I got um, uh, I got this Motorola one where you could change the front covers. It was like a floppy rubber cover, but uh, it also had like a radio tuner built in, mm. but also had the WAP internet that was free on Sundays, <laughs> so I could play like online games, which were like, it was like it was like playing Doom, but you have to refresh the frame every thirty seconds. Right. Good old WAP. <laughs> I wonder if it would blow young whippersnappers' minds with their with their trendy trainers and jeans and stuff. That yeah. um, to actually explain, it used to cost you money to send a text message. Yeah, and uh, you know what I don't get? You know, we used to have to um, short abbreviate all our words in order we to save money. Te- well, that's we didn't you get text sound from. like an idiot. But now you'll have people sprouting on a massive Facebook post like that. It's like you've got unlimited characters. Yeah, what, what, what are you doing? properly. We created text for don't... financial reasons. It was cheaper. Yeah. And then people who were... And... Oh. and then people were... Uh, because if you were... I'm sure it was like if you were with Orange, uh, which later became EE, but if you were with Orange, I think they were the cheapest network. Anyone who was with Vodafone, because that I forgot how much it was. It was like 30 pence a text or something. It's just like, oh, yeah. why are you with Vodafone? You're clearly insane. I did do a lot of texting, hmm. I think, um, which were expensive. I think, finally, when I got on O2, there were like 10 pence a text. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you topped up um, 
ten pounds, ten pound a month, you'd get some extra text. I don't know, but yeah, I can't believe we actually used to pay money to text. Yeah, and then if you ran out, there, there were actual there, there were websites which you could use, um, where you would input your number, input the number of the person that you wanted to text, and then you could it, it would limit you. You could only do that like right, three okay. times, but you also had websites like in the in case of emergencies, you had to you had to send a text because you didn't you didn't yeah. have any money on your phone. Yeah, that's so different. But yeah, um, literally like, well, especially with the podcast, so I spend a bit of time just checking Twitter mm-hmm. and different things. Um, be nice, yeah, it'd be nice if I didn't have a phone. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't use I don't use personal socials like I used to. Yeah, for new, I'm sort of the the same really. I mean, to be perfectly honest, it's a part of me that I, I would really like to just ditch my mobile. Yeah. The problem is though, it, oh, actually, what I would really like to do is um, just go to, just you know what they, they call dumb phones now. So they're not. Oh yeah. Pre-smartphone. The problem is with that though is because you wouldn't be able to use WhatsApp, and then you're because you haven't got WhatsApp, you're basically uh, complete. You would be completely socially socially isolated from all your friends and family. Yeah. You know, arranging meetups and stuff like that. Totally. Yeah. Remember when we used to just go out the house. <laughs> yeah, we managed to, to we managed to arrange meeting up before mobile phones. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be yeah. that you know if I leave my phone at home, the anxiety comes over as like heavy. <laughs> I start freaking out. <laughs> like I'm, I'm out of touch. Yeah, there is a part of me that so, that really wants wants to just um, ditch all modern technology and mm. go. Ah, uh, I don't know. Go, go, go primitive. Full on caveman. But, yeah, but yeah. but primitive. Ditch the house. Late twentieth century. Ditch standard. the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched a thing on Facebook. Uh, not on Facebook. I watched a thing on Netflix uh, called I think it was the Social Dilemma or something. It was like a feature length documentary. Mm. Um, all about social media. Um, and how. It influences people and a lot about how it, it builds a digital profile mm-hmm. um, because everything we put in um, does kind of build a digital profile, you know, um, the way it sends adverts back or recommends things to you and how um, the feeling of getting a like or whatever it is, a, is like a rewarding feeling, but you need more. And it's like it really painted a bit of an ominous negative picture on social media. Mm-hmm. But it did eventually go into uh, the, like, the the development of it and how like it wasn't really... They didn't go in with the worst intentions. It, it was just a business model. But um, uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously had a, a bad effect on a, like depression and worse. Yeah, because I remember when I uh, came off um, Facebook. I didn't think about it because I'm, I put the announcement that I was coming off on the first of. And April. I thought you were joking. Yeah, and everyone thought I was joking until I, I posted it because I would give everyone a month in case they wanted to, you know, say if you want to stay in contact, uh, get in contact, we'll swap details. Um, and yeah, as soon as I came off it and deleted the app and not because uh, I, I didn't use it hugely, uh, but you know, you would you would check it maybe once or twice a day. Soon as I stopped using it, I found that I was a lot happier. It made a huge oh, I difference. Did. Totally, yeah. Um, um, I mean, it might just be my perception. It's probably partly true, but um, I feel like Facebook's quite a negative place. 
Mm. Um, the kind of stuff people post and share, and just the way people comment, because it's very it's very one sided. People can just say what they want, um, whereas you wouldn't really do that in the real world. And also, like you know, he, it's just everyone's vanity thrown in your face, like mm. it. <laughs> People post things about their lives and stuff, and um, I remember I got to a point where I, w- I was on Facebook on the computer, and in my hand I was also on Facebook on my phone. I thought, what, what am I doing? Yeah, that's a bit mad, Rob. Bloody hell. Yeah, okay. but um, <laughs> I, uh, I, but yeah, I'm a lot, I'm a lot happier not using socials. I do use, I do, I, I, I never check Facebook unless it, it even um, I don't even check my notifications. I might go on every so often just have a look. I do use Facebook Messenger. Um, occasionally, because um, like family members use that mm-hmm. sometimes. People use different like platforms to chat, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, WhatsApp as well. Um, I rarely, I rarely go on in, in my personal Instagram or Twitter. Really. Yeah, I I do like Instagram actually, although I, it's it's starting to become a while since I posted on it. It's just because you know you're in control of who you follow, and it's just people just putting up nice photos of here's yeah, some trees so. and stuff. Yeah. Which is quite nice. Yeah, it's it's less about less about the talk and more about the photos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we should probably just jump ahead to one thing, um, because the podcast's getting on like half an hour. In now. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh-huh. um, last week we were talking about um, I don't know, yogurt and then chocolate and stuff. I got some revels, and I think I should just periodically dive into these throughout the, throughout the podcast. Ah, oh, I knew yeah. there was something. I, I was supposed to get myself a bag of Revels and join in and, yeah. Well, the bag says share and enjoy with family and friends, but... It's not bad. <laughs> you're, you're not here, and even if you were, Rob doesn't share food. So. It's because you're an awful person, Rob. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> It's a tiny bag. Who'd want to share it? But, you know, if they're awful... I'm actually feeling a bit scared now, but... I don't... Shall, do I need to read the flavour? So I just, do I just dive in? Just dive in. Okay, I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> look very ominously similar, but oh, okay, I'm scared. <laughs> right. Wait, is any, is any fruity ones like raisins? Or something? Yeah, there's. Uh, oh, God. They're the smaller, regular shaped ones. So you'd be. Able... Don't tell me. I'm just gonna. All oh, right. Okay. Sorry. Okay, I've got one. I've got one. Right. It's ominously oval. Okay. And a bit squishy. I think it's a. The raisin. The one you didn't want, okay. Yeah. How are you finding so, it? Is it revo- do you find it revolting? Not as bad as I thought, but it's disappointing considering is there like a Malteser in there. Wait, are there minstrels in there? Yeah. <gasps> <Too bad. laughs> we'll get back to that soon. Yeah, they are nice. Actually, because just talking about because uh, when we were reviewing uh, Village of the Angels um, last week, because we forgot to do a poll uh, on our Twitter. Um, but we did do one, but we yeah, but we have done one, uh, and it was int- we we really wanted to do one because uh, from from our own perspective and also the, the listeners' responses that we were getting, it seemed to be covering the full range of opinion. With you know, um, you said it was good, I thought it was average. Uh, that was reflected in the comments that we were receiving, and also some people just thought it was just awful. So anyway, um, we we got quite a decent result actually. Uh, so. Uh, you put on our Twitter feed, Rob. What do you think of uh, Village of the Angels? And wait, are we, oh, sorry. Are we we put, do you mean once upon a t- once upon time? 
Oh yes, sorry. Once upon yes, sorry. Once upon we do have a poll for Village of the Angels, but yeah, yes, we do. Sorry, I'm talking. Um, uh, Talk nonsense. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, Once Upon Time? And I thought I had. Yes. Okay. Found it. So these are the results. So uh, average and bad match. So twenty-one percent of responses thought it was bad. Twenty-one percent of uh, responses thought it was average, but most people at fifty-eight percent thought it was good. Almost three fifths mm-hmm. thought it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not not unanimously good, but yeah. Oh, um, I'll just give a quick mention. We had Jason Thompson on Twitter. Um, he's an occasional. Um, respondee to the listeners responses <laughs> so um today he'd put a nice post on talking about um his personal kind of connection to doctor who all the all the kind of people in the community that he's met over the years mm-hmm. um he, he made a thread and then one of them was saying um then there are the wonderful podcast and podcasters and creators who put so much content that listening to it all would be a full-time job um, so he, he then he tagged us, uh, Toby Hadick, and two others. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. that's yeah. Uh, that's uh, some that's some good company to be linked with. Thank you very much. That's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. that. Oh, well, he, he also did another another tweet this evening. He said, um, eight years ago last month, I was at a convention in a hotel in Newcastle for the fiftieth. Um, ran into Sarah Sutton in the lift." Mm-hmm. Did I say anything intelligent, witty, or generally whimsical? No. I said, are you here for the convention? (laughs) Well, you never know. Maybe maybe in a strange coincidence. Complete coincidence. Yeah. We were at that convention. She'd be devastated if she just opened the lift door. (laughs) (laughs) Just went, oh my God, all of that. Maybe on my holiday. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, but we were there. Yeah, we were there. We may have uh, bumped into her more. Past or something. In, th- in fact, in fact, uh, on the, on the live stream on Monday, uh, I'd me- I'd mentioned something about that, mm-hmm. the fiftieth convention, and Carolyn said she was there as well. Oh, really? Okay, small world. Small world. I've got this memory of. A, I mean, it was, I'm not saying that they were the only two Scottish people. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm. I do have a memory of us chatting to uh, to someone from uh, a woman from Scotland. Right. Okay. May have been her. May, may have been. May not have been. Who knows? But anyway, there you go. There was, a, you know, it's a possibility. I enjoyed yeah. that convention. That that was a good one. It was a, it was a really good uh, good crowd, good atmosphere. Um, every everyone agreeing that the, the queuing system was bloody stupid, including Peter Purvis. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, and it was it was a really good mix of people. I enjoyed that convention a lot. It was and, and actually, well, it was it, it was both our fir- uh, very first Doctor Who convention as well. Yeah, just just in town, so it was good. Cause we didn't have to travel. Yeah, far. it was uh, it was a shame Peter Davison couldn't make it. Yeah, because uh, there was because uh, I forgot which TV series he was involved with at the time, but uh, I think the the recording of it went a bit over, so he wasn't able to make it. Um, yeah, they would have had a, a full set, almost. Yeah, from, from <laughs> yeah from from Davison onwards. Yeah, we would. Yeah. yeah, but it was a. Uh, 
it was really good. I, I loved it with uh, Janet Fielding just basically taking the make of Peter Davis and not turning up and the fact he was always late. And Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a good convention. I enjoyed that one an awful lot. It really was, yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess we should probably move on to Flux. That's why we're here. Yes, I, th- <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, a quick reminder about socials, facebook.com slash cloisterbell. Yet... I advise that everyone stays off Facebook. It's bad for your health. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Twitter at podcast bell. Um, questionably bad for your health. Also, <laughs> stay off social media. And also Instagram, <laughs> which is cloister underscore bell. Um, but we recommend Instagram, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> it comes with Liam's approval, so it's all good. Yes. Seal of approval. Uh, and also, if you'd like. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, um, we're on patreon.com slash cloisterbell. Um, you can get a few uh, few bonuses on there. Go check it out. So on with Village of the Angels. So, Devon, November 1967. A little girl has gone missing. Professor Eustatius Jericho mm-hmm. um, is conducting psychic experiments. And in the village graveyard, there is one gravestone too many. Why is Madison known as the Cursed Village? And what do the Weeping Angels want? Uh, cast for this episode, Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, Man of Gill, Yasmin Khan, John Bishop as Dan Lewis. Um, Kevin McNally uh, as Professor Jericho. Annabelle Scully as Claire Brown. Alex Frost, Reverend Shaw. When I read this a few weeks ago, I was worried it was going to be Tim Shaw. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Disguised as a reverend. <laughs> Still be a giveaway with all those teeth. Um, we had Vincent Brimble as Gerald. Gemma Churchill as Jean. Penelope McGee as Mrs. Hayward. Uh, Thaddea Graham as Belle. Blake Harrison as Namaka. Jacob Anderson as Vinder, Polly Polivnicki as Peggy, and we had Rashenda Sandal as Azure, Azure, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a brief scene. Yeah. So, the writing credits for this episode were a bit different. We had Maxine Alderton and Chris Chibnall writing this. Um, I wonder if that's been a factor for why it was quite good. Um, she'd also directed no sorry she'd also written uh, The Haunting of Villa Diodati in the previous previous series oh that was an excellent episode yeah yeah and Jamie Magnus Stone returned as the director for this one Mm -hmm. Uh, so the story opens with Claire um, in the chair with uh, Professor Jericho. Um, and she's hooked up to this polygraph machine, like a lie detector test. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we saw her get sent back in time in the Halloween apocalypse. Yeah, that's and right. And I, I presumed at the time it was going to be back to the Crimean War. Um, oh, actually, it's time for another revel. Hold on. Quite round. Okay, good sign. Um, 
was gonna say it tastes a bit like stale biscuit, but is it orange? <laughs> yeah, that would be orange. There's an orange flavor, yeah. Orange, yeah, uh, just an orange. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit peculiar because I always find with the orange ones, you're right. It, it's sort of, what is this? And then the, 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 <laughs> there's a faint flavor of orange which seems to filter through and go, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. It's... It eventually, eventually got that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so where were we? Um, flux. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, yes, Claire's being kind of tested and she has the questions about what year it is. I don't know why she got them wrong, though, because it wasn't that year. <laughs> no, well, obviously. Actually... No, because she was asked for her date of birth and then she she said yeah. May 1985 because obviously that was when she would have been born. She you know, just rattled yeah. it off. Yes, and then uh, and then she corrected. And she it. was like, "Oh no, I I I said nineteen uh, no. nineteen so so and so." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she kind of bolt upright, possessed by the angel, mm-hmm. um, predicting that the what, the tar the yes the, she says the tardis the, the angel has the tardis. Yeah. Um. So we have the doctor back on board the tardis with Dan and Yaz. Um, resolving the cliffhanger from the previous episode so the angel has control of the TARDIS and Cloisterball's going yay <laughs> and she has a quick fix you know I'm going to pull this cable pull that cable mm-hmm. sort this problem out it was still quite a tense scene yeah Um, and I'm not I can't really say it from a personal point of view but it does it does still s- seem scary do you think the angels are still still scary at the moment? Yes, I think so. Um, especially think, especially with this episode because it's it's very atmospheric, mm. um, and I liked it. And yeah, despite it being in the TARDIS, it, it did have a sense of claustrophobia to it. And I think because um, you know they're crowded around the door. Mm. Uh, having yeah. to keep an eye on the angel and yeah it was it was very tense and I liked how it was shot and the lighting and, and, and the acting of course I thought yeah I thought it was handled very well and we had that spin on the classic line um, when I say blink 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 <laughs> yes like when I yeah. say run mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah then the, then the angels kind of ejected mid-flight um, so back in the village Peggy, a young girl's missing. Everyone's out looking for her. And but an old woman's been counting the headstones, um, while everyone else is looking for the missing girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I did rewatch the episode, so you can tell kind of she does kind of have a bit of a tell in her reaction that uh, she knows she's the little girl, obviously. Right. Okay. And this is where we have Reverend Shaw as well. What happened to Tim Shaw? Was he kind of frozen? Something. He wasn't killed, was he? Oh, wasn't he kept in some massive orange vat or something like that? A vat, yeah. I vaguely remember that. In that episode, which even to this day I cannot pronounce, the Battle of Avo Van. Yeah, I was listening to David and Matt's podcast the other day, and they were saying uh, the Battle of Rancid Avocado. <laughs> <laughs> Much better title. I'd remember that. Totally. Rather yeah. than the Battle of Avo Van Koros or whatever it is. I, st- I can't even be bothered to actually write. Uh, I'm going to read and nail this and remember it. I can't be bothered. Yeah, I, I, I know it and I don't think uh, I don't want to sound lame and say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Claire's been drawn visions 
um, of stuff like TARDIS and the angels and things. Um, so when uh, the TARDIS team arrive in the village, the Doctor is getting, um, she's detecting something on the Sonic. And so she goes to Jericho's house in the basement and meets Claire and Jericho there. Um, and of course the Doctor and Claire remembered each other because this does take place after the Halloween apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I were right in assuming that um, Claire's knowledge of the Doctor was was that a premonition that she had ha- that she'd had, or so, or is it knowledge from the angel, or or will we see her in the past meet the Doctor at some point? Like, how do we take? Uh, yeah, how how did she know the Doctor in Episode One? I think it's because she had the premonition. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of that epic, because funny enough, I thought about this. I thought, well, uh, because at the towards the end of that episode, she's the angel transports her to a previous time, which we find out in this episode is uh, 1967, and that's how you know that. So when she meets the doctor in the street in Liverpool. That's the first time that she's actually meeting her. But she's had a premonition of her. That's how she recognises her. But she hadn't met her yet. <laughs> Perfectly yeah. simple. So Yaz and Dan meet the old couple who are out looking for Peggy. Yeah, Yaz and Dan don't actually have that much to do in this story. No, that's true, actually. Although, um, I didn't... It's a bit funny. I, I didn't mind it as, as much as I did in the in the last episode uh, when I thought that the sidelining of Yaz was, was a massive problem. I think because... Um, I'm you know, we, we've said it countless times before. She's a character that's been constantly sidelined, and then finally with this series, it felt like you know she was very involved and it was fantastic. And I thought, all oh, right, great, she's going to be more involved in the series. And so, oh no, we've returned to Yaz not being utilized properly to the point mm. where really, um, apart from the fact that she's been stalked by the angel, she didn't, re- um, which. Um, links into the cliffhanger, which then links into this episode. Um, really, it was sort of beyond that. Her stuff, which is obviously important, but beyond that, the stuff that she was given wasn't really narratively important. You could actually have dealt with that all in one scene. Whereas with, whereas here, at least it establishes, you know, that 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 past setting of 1901, and it gives, yeah. and it, you know, and then that leads them up. To, I'm not leaping ahead because we'll we'll get to it, but and then it, that allows them to witness the how the episode comes to an end. It does. It puts them in the place. So, uh, so yeah. So it, it yes, it would have been nice to have seen Yaz and Dan um, be a lot more involved in the plot. Yeah, because having Yaz and Dan together, I just feel it could have been done with just one of them on their own. Mm-hmm. I don't know what each of them brings to it yeah but i think yeah so it's a bit of being overly critical there but you know it's just an observation because i'm waiting for for yaz to shine yeah and 
because we thought, especially with, especially in the first episode, the Halloween apocalypse, she definitely shone there, and it would be very nice to have seen that continue all the way through. Um, but as it is, um, I quite like I quite like seeing them as characters, uh, her and Dan, and and how they interact as characters, and uh, and especially with the actors, they're just nice to see on the screen, uh, and it allow, yeah. But it would have been nice to have seen them. Uh, more involved, I suppose, but it uh, it works. I th- I think certainly with Yaz, she's better utilized here than in the previous episode. So in that, I mean, this is probably damning the episode with faint praise, but it's a slight improvement in that score, I think. So we take a bit of a sidestep and we go back to Belle. Mm-hmm. She arrives. She arrives on this planet to look for Vinda, but um, she meets the other guy, mm-hmm. and he kind of implies that um, something's going to be going down. Um, with that as your <laughs> so then we go back to the main story anything noteworthy about that scene with Belle though it, it was a bit funny because in some respects it was uh, it was nice to see Belle again because I liked the character and I liked the actress who, who plays the part um, and as I said when when we were reviewing the previous episode Once Upon Time when we first see her I was just like do we really need another character for goodness sake but actually um, that frustration was very quickly dispelled. Oh, I actually like this character. And then when it's revealed, you know, that she's tied with Vinda and all the rest of it, uh, I quite liked it. So it was it was nice to see her again. And in fact, uh, and she's very much sort of like the subplot of the episode, and it allows us to to track and, and see what's going on and Vinda's ability to to track her and almost co- come close to to being reunited. Um. Mm. So it was nice to see. Having said that, though, it it um, because I loved all the stuff to do with the village. It was a little bit frustrating feeling coming out of that setting, and I felt tonally the way in which we shift from from the village to Bell. I don't think it was a very smooth transition. It felt like mm, it felt like a I bit of a. Don't t- quite remember. It did go straight to like space, didn't it? We saw her shift. Yeah, and it, it just felt like a tonal sort of like a whiplash effect, and it sort of like took me out of the viewing experience a bit. I didn't think it was very smoothly done, going from 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 one se- from, from one setting to the other. So I think if yeah. there's a criticism with regards to how we go from from the village and everything that's going on there to, to Belle, I would say it was that. I don't I don't think it was a very smooth transaction. Yeah, a transition. I know. Obviously, that's just a symptom of. Um this story as a whole, a six-part story. It's probably unavoidable. Yeah, and funny enough, I was thinking about this earlier today. I wonder if, I mean, when we come to find, you know, seeing the the sixth uh, sixth episode, uh, where we will be able to consider that that episode and the story as a whole, then we'll be able to, to properly reflect. But I was just wondering if, it might be the case if we look at it and just go, it would have been nice if maybe it was a seven episode series or maybe eight to, to allow things like this to, to breathe a bit more. Because if mm. you maybe had an additional episode or two, uh, maybe it would have allowed us to, you know, have this episode focusing entirely what's on the village um, because there's an awful lot going on there anyway. And then in the episode, and then the next episode going and, and let's catch up with the adventures of Bell and Vinda and, their attempts of yeah. trying to reunite may- maybe well originally this series was meant to be maybe 8 to 10 episodes before it was all kind of reto- retooled mm-hmm. um, 
but maybe yeah I wonder did, did we get the impression that originally it wasn't going to be flux though it was going to be more more of a proper series um, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, because to be honest, I haven't really followed um, much no, news about the, the the production of it. I think you're right. I do have a vague memory of it maybe initially being uh, scheduled for more episodes. Yeah. And then, you know, because of restrictions and so on, they went, well, we're going to have to truncate it down to to six. Um, yeah. Still interesting. Though. Oh yeah, it's it's still interesting, but it's one of those instances when you got things like this where you kind of go, mm, maybe it would have benefited from from the initial plan going through. Um, yeah, but as it is, it's uh, I mean, once you sort of um, get over the kind of oh okay, we're, we're Bell, that was right, okay, and then you're following what's going on. It's it's you know it's still interesting, and so at least at least it wasn't you're taking out of the viewing experience and going home having to watch something really dull here at least you sort of you are taking out the viewing experience a bit because i said that that whiplash effect of going from from one thing to the other um without it being very deftly done um but it's you know it's seeing bell and you you do go back into it and just accept it for what it is but it was a bit uh i did i did find the transition a bit weird yeah but then it does transition back (laughs) Yeah, and we go to um, in back in Jericho's house. The house is surrounded by angels, mm-hmm. um, so there's quite a lot of them outside. So they kind of lock down the house. I did get the impression that he may have died or got sent away at this point, um, but he didn't. No, but I thought the, the, this whole bit. I mean, I thought the, the the whole setting was very, very done, very well done. It was very atmospheric and scary, and it did. Uh, it was, you know, it was thrilling. And you did get a sense that if maybe not the Doctor, although there was a strong possibility of that, you did get a sense that the characters were in genuine danger and you, you were having great things. There was some humour in there th- thrown in. I loved the bit when, because they're the, the locking and bolting all the doors and the angels are trying to, to break in. And then the doorbell rings and uh, just going, are they really ringing the doorbell? I I did actually like that. I thought that was really, you know, I, I did find that quite amusing and... Um, I, I mm. like that an awful lot, but then within all this, a bit, um, I think one of my favourite bits because the angels, uh, of course, eventually break into the house. Um, my favourite bit was because there's a drawing of the angel, and as we know from um, Matt Smith's time as the Doctor, an image of an angel uh, itself becomes one. And I loved that when when you had uh, the pencil drawing turn into an angel, the doctor then throws it into the fire and and tries to light it, but the, the angel still comes back. But this time is just made out of flames. Um, yeah, I liked that moment a lot. Um, I thought that 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 was really good. Yeah, it was. I and um, jumping ahead a bit, one come, one gets printed out on the on the polygraph as well. Yes, yeah. I didn't know they could do that. <laughs> <laughs> probably well there's no reason why they could you know i mean the, the, the you know you got arms with ink <laughs> oh, there's the ability to, to to draw pictures it it sort of worked yeah yeah wonder that take an art if you can kind of print a picture on a polygraph with your lies <laughs> <laughs> anyway so uh, we go to the old couple who were were they like uh, great uh, auntie and uncle of Peggy? 
Yes. Some yeah, yeah, the, the uh, uncle and auntie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's got a very um, kind of old-fashioned kind of attitude. Well, it is 1967. Yeah. <laughs> and years old in 1967. He's had that coat a while. Yeah, because when the, with the first line of the first in, uh, the crew first encounter, and the, the doctor sniffs his coat and go, "Oh, it's 1947." So no, it's twenty years later. It's nineteen sixty-seven. Quarter. Oh, you've had that quote a while. So, so that was quite nice. I like, I like that as well. Yeah. Um, and um, I thought it was interesting as well because their their niece Peggy has has gone missing, and and Yaz, we're finally reminded, is a a policewoman. So, you you know, she starts putting in, you know, right, okay, she's when did you last see her? Uh, what can you tell her about her personality? What's her favourite places to visit? You know, like modern policing. And him, I mean, he's a curmudgeonly figure anyway and just generally a bit of an arse. Mm. Um, but you, it, it was interesting because seeing the, the difference from how uh, you would police an investigation now of a child missing compared to how it was done then. Um, I thought it was interesting of... Um, Without labouring the point, it was just you know establishing the historical setting, but and the differences between, uh, you know, the regular characters in the historical setting. I thought that was that was quite an interesting um, perspective of of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, social attitudes yes. don't often come into it, mm-hmm. yeah. and I didn't feel like it was laboured. It felt it felt very natural. I, I like the way it was written, and it's just sort of, yeah, uh, it's it, you're seeing a bit of Yaz's character and her ability and. The fact that she's very capable and, and knows her job, but landing in a, you know, the fact that she's going, well, can you tell us what she's like? And he's coming, f- you know, and he's saying, well, she's a ten-year-old. What on earth are you talking about? And she's going, well, mm. if we encounter her, she'll be scared. So if we can somehow reassure her, it we. So it was just stuff like that. I I, I liked that a lot. I thought I thought that was uh, I thought that was handled very well. I liked it. Yeah, totally. So we have a scene with Claire in the bathroom, and she seems to be becoming an angel, mm-hmm. or uh, or something at this stage. Um, we see her in the re- see a reflection, then we see her with the wings. They did look a bit, seemed a bit light and wobbly, not like big stone wings. Yeah, as, good, I suppose though. because she's partially in that transition. I know what you mean. You know how on. Um... Things like Instagram, or you can put filters on things. Ah, so it was like a augmented reality kind of thing. To me, it looked yeah. It, to me, it looked like that. When you can get like an afro or something. <laughs> yeah, things like that, or um, you know, uh, the make you look like you've got a dog's tongue for some reason. I love the dog's tongue. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, to me, it sort of like, it looked like that. I was uh, I actually found the wings a pleasant surprise because the way that it's done is she's washing her face, and the the camera goes in close, and her, her hands are over her face, and I thought, oh, she'll she'll look in the mirror and she'll have a, the face of an angel. So when actually that, that I thought that would have been good, like a stone face. Yeah. Um, but I also thought at the same time it was probably a bit predictable. So when it pulled, so actually when the reveal is no, she's got angel wings. I went, oh, that's a nice surprise. <laughs> I didn't expect yeah. that. So, <laughs> although it looks like an Instagram filter, um, so so it uh, it took me by surprise a little bit, which was nice. Yeah, uh, we get a bit of a callback to the three doctors. 
again when the doctor makes um contact. telepathic contact yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we didn't get the cool sound effect but yeah it's a... <laughs> the rapid cutting between claire and the doctor's face yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so and uh, jericho wants to record all the data mm-hmm. so he puts the puts the big um helmets on them <laughs> yeah headpieces so the doctor speaks with the cracked angel cracked faced angel mm-hmm. um but it's it's on like a shoreline, but a double-edged one. It was quite a, quite a nice shot. It, yeah, it was a very nice shot and very atmospheric. And I wonder if that was supposed to represent, you know, the two hemispheres of the brain because uh, you're inside uh-huh. her mind. Um, yeah, I thought it was a you know very you know everything's grayscale, very atmospheric, and yeah, I thought I thought that was great. So the angel um, reveals that it's on the run from the other angels. Sounds like a rogue angel. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, the other angels are an extraction squad for the division. <gasps> yeah. Which is just like, what? Insane. Yeah. Um... Dogs and angels now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, dogs, angels, and the doctor. Yeah. It's. Uh... And everyone, apparently. Yeah. Everywhere. It, it's sort of. Doctor Who does 1970s conspiracy, you know, films. You know, if you've got um, the, uh, you know, All the President's Men and um, Three Days of the Condor, you know, that's it's sort of like, uh, or um, The Manchurian Candidate. It's like Doctor Who goes conspiratorial. Yeah. Well, there could be a lot of sleeper agents everywhere, couldn't there? Because we had... Um, Joe Martin's doctor and her companion. Mm. Joe Martin herself was a sleeper agent, kind of. Mm. And then we also had the couple in the Arctic Circle in the Halloween apocalypse, and one of them turned out to be Azure. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is interesting, and it's a fa- you know, and how nefarious uh, time lords can be in the division, and you know, um, you know, because uh, um, it's not the. F- I've always thought that the Celestial Intervention Agency. Oh, it's great. You know, on the live stream. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the CIA and the, I don't think they know what, what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, to me, because uh, the Celestial Intervention Agency, also known as the CIA, I always thought it was a bit, I always thought that was, it's a bit too on the nose. It's like, mm, who could you possibly yeah. be referring to here? Especially in the novels, they just they just they just casually say the CIA. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I always thought it was a little bit silly because I thought I thought it was a bit too on the nose. Um, but I thought the idea of it was interesting, which is you know you've got this this agency of of the Time Lords, which it, they're supposed you know Time Lords are supposed to be non-interventionist, and yet you've got this agency which does nothing but interfere. Um, and it's called the but CIA. Recently, this has kind of cast a doubt on that in my mind, um, because we presume that the division was um, a division of the Time Lord Society mm. um, back from a pre Hartnell time, mm. where they did um, meddle in the affairs of others, yeah. but not openly, like secretly. But uh, the new. In Flux, it's revealed that Carvinista was working for the Division. Mm-hmm. And we, we know that um, the Angels were as well. So were the Time Lords 
um, outsourcing or were the Time Lords and all these other species working for the Division? Is the Division not the Time Lords, possibly? Yeah, it, it raises... Inc- I mean, I think the Division is the Time Lords, but uh, so... It's not very clear, though, is it? No, it's not. But th- that's what I'm sort of thinking. But, but then all the other questions you've mentioned are still valid because, you know, we, st- we still don't know. Um, I suspect we're getting close to an answer, and I suspect it's going to be a massive, uh, yeah, uh, something really um, dramatic. And so I am, I am looking forward to it. Um, yeah, there's a few hints near the end of this episode as well. Yeah, and shed light on some of that. But it, it, it's interesting. So whether the CIA and the division are the same, and it's just a rebranding, or you know, whatever, that could be another thing. Yeah. But. Um, Having said that, though the CIA wasn't something that was really explicit in in the television series that came that came out, although well it was there. I think it's mentioned in the Deadly Assassin, but I think you've re- you got really got to be a massive nerd, um, massive Doctor Who fan to to know about that because I think they really pick it up in the Doctor Who novels and probably Big Finish. Um, yes, Big Finish um, specifically in the Gallifrey series in the eighth Doctor Monthlies mm. with uh, Charlie and maybe a few others. But yes, it is in there. Yeah. yeah. So this is probably just uh, Chris Chibnall using you know, using that idea and maybe giving it a what he thinks is a better name. And to be perfectly honest, if that is the case, I do think it is a better name. But anyway, wh- whatever it is, I think it's it's a good idea. Uh, and it raises all these questions of going, right, okay, so th- they, they, they're recruiting uh, other people. Uh, and as I said, it's sort of like, oh, it's uh, espionage meets Doctor Who. And I can't, I'm kind of liking all this. And I think it's it's, it's yeah. great. But then it's but then it goes, right, OK, uh, it, have the Division recruited the Angels or have the Division created the Angels? That's, that's always a possibility. Mm, yeah. Um, we've had, I've mentioned this before, we have that little reference that Russell put into the end of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, with the, the the two that stand against, um, like the weeping angels of old. Yes. And the two the, the two the two women have their hands over their eyes. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I thought was a bit of a um a fun little di- a fun little reference to Blink. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think much else of it. Um, but what other times have we seen the time ones associated with them? Didn't we, was it was it in the cloisters in Hellbent when we had. An angel, or maybe like a cherub baby, was that in that one? There, there was some kind of angel down, down um, under the citadel. Was there? Oh yes, there was. Yes, yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, which could be from a long time ago. And also, we can't, we haven't been able to place when the fugitive doctor was around. But in the previous episode, I think Swarm mentioned bringing the dark times to an end so we can kind of place um joe martin's doctor somewhere must be the very late era of the dark times possibly when time lord societies are established already Mm -hmm. not that we've got a definitive timeline of of, um gallifreyan history or anything no but uh, I thought I thought this you know this is all very uh, tantalizing stuff, but I thought it was great and it was a, it was a massive whoa okay. Uh, one I thought was interesting that we were seeing an angel who's run from the on the run from the other angels. But yeah, just that reveal of going uh, the division recruit 
pretty much anyone and everyone that they have a use for, and that includes the yeah. angels. I thought was, <clears throat> I thought was, I think that's a good idea. Totally. So, the angel speaks to the doctor and reveals that the angel not only has knowledge of the doctor, but kind of her memories as well. Mm. And and the angels are after this rogue angel because of its knowledge, because it's gone rogue. Um. And possibly has the division's secrets, because we know that the division obviously wipes people's minds, or potentially makes them sleep agents and makes a habit of wiping people's memories as well. And also, when we when we had that scene of, which was essentially Ruth's doctor, um, Joe Martin's doctor, um, infiltrating the um the temple on time on planet time mm-hmm. when we had Jodie Whittaker standing on the t- on the hilltop she was kind of confused about where she was and the mentioned t- was it like temporal hazing or something like that like maybe there's um it's a common thing with like memory loss within the division mm, okay I don't know what was my point I don't know oh yeah <laughs> So the angel has um, the doctor's memories, and the division is after this angel yeah. because because it has knowledge um, that it possibly shouldn't have, and it might came to actually go rogue and give the knowledge to someone else. Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, the doctor's actual memories could be restored, which is a possibility. Yeah, to be honest, I'd be surprised if that happens. I think what we'll see is. We'll find out some, maybe not the whole thing, but we'll we'll find some aspect of 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 her past. I'd be I'd be very surprised if it, if we do go down the route of you know all her memories are restored. Yeah, because that's a lot of like a hell of a lot of lives, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. Um. So. Belle sees Azure back on that planet. She arrives. And the crowd is kind of cheering to be saved. And she offers them escape to a safe galaxy, which, of course, is a lie. Because she offers them um, kind of safe passage within this character, which is Passenger. Mm. Now, Belle says she's heard of Passenger forms before. So she's kind of aware of it. And she gets this this guy she's with to kind of run away from the uh, the kind of extraction field. Yeah. Um, and he's not very happy about it, but she kind of escapes, and Azira does talk to them. Um, yeah, because gets... again, I, I like this scene. I mean, it bothered me um, in, in terms of the drama. I mean, not in terms of the, the execution or that it wasn't bothered, you know, bothered by it in terms of writing. I, I liked the scene it because it was all very sort of uh, messianic, and because they th- they basically think that Azura is their savior, and it, it had you know um, it had that. Um, that sort of like that, like cult feeling about it, and uh, Belle's the only one who sees the truth. And so this character, uh, I've forgotten his name, his name now, but uh, who, yeah, I don't remember uh, whom she saves um, from basically being imprisoned in the um, what, what do you call it? Um, the passenger. Passenger, yeah, being imprisoned yeah. in the passenger. Um, he actually thought that that was that was their salva- salvation. Um, so obviously he's not going to be too keen. He he later realizes that wasn't the case. I mean, I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but when he when he meets up with Vinda, 
he says, I think, you know, she actually saved my life. Tell her I say thank you when you see her. Um, but I thought in terms of the setting and everything like that, I liked all that. And I thought it was, it, I th- you know, it was it was believably done. Um, but yeah, going back to the, the the point that you were saying, it's interesting that Belle is is aware of uh, the passengers and passenger forms. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Azure is aware that they weren't taken, and she speaks to them, uh, almost like she maybe she intentionally leaves people behind to kind of spread the word mm. and get more mm. people harvested. Because um, that guy that Belle's with says. This is his fourth time, and it hasn't extracted him yet. Yeah. So, Dan is still wandering around um, with Yaz and Peggy. Dan has like a million questions about why the village is kind of in space, because <laughs> <laughs> um, the the village is actually shrinking. And then they come face to face with an angel, mm-hmm. and they know how to react. But then Peggy's um, great aunt and uncle arrive. Because they've been sent back in time, but then with all like kind of Yaz and Dan's pleading, they kind of ignore them. And uh, even after they've been attacked by one of these angels just moments before at night time, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the angel still gets them. They kind of block the eye line between them, yeah, and, and it grabs the guy's coat. And uh, because this is the second time they've been grabbed by an angel, in this instance, they kind of get turned to stone and they just crumble away. Yeah. The the weirdest bit about this is um, probably the girl. She doesn't really have an emotional response to this, apart from saying, he was never nice to me. I find Peggy weird. I don't know whether mm. it's in terms of the writing or they've got a really dodgy child actress, but I don't think that's the case. She comes across as a bit... A bit like, and this is throughout the entire episode. Is it just me, or does she come across just sort of like a bit, I don't know, dead behind the eyes? Maybe. I find her very weird. Yeah. Um, she mm. doesn't seem to be phased by anything. You know, uh, she's gone missing. Uh, stone statues are, are telepathically communicating with her. Um, she doesn't seem to be that bothered by encountering strangers. She's not she that. Might have bo- been a bit I mean, resentful because, like, she, if she says, "Oh, he was never nice to me." Yeah, but then, um, but the aunt, he could have been a bit. He could have been a bit aggressive, like an old, fa- you know, like an old fashioned kind of. Yeah, way. no, no, which is fair enough. I get that, but then, well, what about the auntie then? Mm. I mean, it, I mean, and it's it's interesting uh, because from you know comparing Peggy's reaction to Yaz's, Yaz is clearly very disturbed by this. In fact, she. You know, tears are rolling down her cheeks. Mm. Um, she's, she, you know, she's horrified by it. Yeah, really yeah. Cool. So, so Peggy's a bit of a, a bit of a funny character. Not one. Yeah. Mm. I'm just gonna grab a revel. Right. Okay. Oh dear. It's like an overly shape. It's a raisin. <laughs> That's your second raisin. Have another one. Not a raisin. Just try oh, another one. Oh, cheers. Okay. I don't need my permission, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's round. It could be a Malteser, but it might be um, an orangey one. Okay. It's a Malteser. Yay! Happy? Yay! I'm really happy now, yeah. <laughs> good, good. That's all I wanted. So, uh, back in the basement in Professor Jericho's house, 
you see some of the angels on the telly because they brought the TV downstairs to keep an eye on them. And the telly kind of goes off for a moment and reveals that only one angel is kind of in the the foyer or the hallway. <laughs> and um, the others are kind of coming to the, the, the cellar door. Mm-hmm. But this one that's left there on the TV talks to him and kind of tries to taunt him and persuade him to look away uh, in his own voice as well yeah but he does he does show a lot of strength here doesn't he yeah he's a great Defending he's a great character. character he's uh one of the things that he's he's very intelligent but he's very kind uh and very yeah i, I just really love his his character and i love mcnally's performance of him he's just absolutely fantastic um the thing that i really like is the f- of how he wakes the doctor up he just throws a cup yeah. at her. <laughs> just, Brilliant. Yeah, but just, just like, I'm sorry, you know, throw a cup at you, but I need it because we're running out of options here because they're surrounded by angels. And um... yeah, oh, and that one did leap out the telly. Yes, as well. That was good. And he just smashed. The and he just smashes the tip. Yeah, I, I, I loved all that. I just really love his character. I think, um, I think he's the best. Not only do I think he's the best character in this episode, I think he might, he may actually be my favorite character of Flux. Possibly, uh, and we've got—I mean, uh, we've got great characters throughout. Um, I mean, Dan, I really like. I, I, I like Vinda's character an awful lot. Bell, I like. Um, you know who we haven't had this week? Yes, Williamson. Yeah, uh, which is interesting because we—I <laughs> I was expecting we him had... to go. Well, we're getting tunnels in this episode. Is he—is he, he going to randomly come over going, oh, tunnels? And Maybe I'm Victorian we'll and closely, eccentric, and then one of his arms is sticking out the wall or something. <laughs> That that I really liked. I thought that was a that was a t- tense scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, Jericho pulls him out of the telegraph telepathic conference, and uh, the doctor, because she's, she's just because she's the doctor, she's so perceptive. She's noticed on a map that there's an escape tunnel there mm-hmm. that they go through. Um, she re- reverses the polarity of the neutron flow and the headset on the angel. It doesn't really do much because yep. the angel does pursue them anyway um yeah it just, yeah yeah it doesn't do anything and yeah and then um, when they go into this tunnel this passage jericho notices what looks like kind of depictions and pictures on the wall is actually like angel wings i think before the arms are revealed almost oh. but yeah it's almost it's weird it's almost like fossils it's a bizarre thing. Um, we do go back to the scene with Peggy and Dan and Yaz, and Peggy said that her history teacher said that there was a burial ground from the Stone Age excavated in 1901, which is the year they went back to, Yeah. Um, which is to do with this angel stone as well. Um, I don't know if we'll learn more about that, but maybe. But Peggy does meet her older self, as well mm-hmm. um, what did you take from Peggy's performance here I, I liked all this I mean because uh, I think uh, you said that you picked up on something that you you knew that this was um, the older version of Peggy and I think on the live stream I forgot who it was but it was uh, one of the presenters of the other podcast uh, said that he, he 
he picked up on this and I kind of was just going, well, I mustn't have been paying much attention because I, I I mean, it didn't come as a massive <gasps> shock, but uh, I was just like, oh, right, okay. I didn't see that one coming. So, so maybe I'm just really done now. I was just slow on the uptake, but I, I quite liked it. Um, yeah. Uh, and the conversation and the reveal and, you know, the, the, the climax of the episode building and building it. Because at this point, um, the angels have stopped chasing the doctor. You know, as soon as you know she blinks or turns the back uh, back on them when she's in the, towards the end of the tunnel, they're not doing anything, and you kind of go, "Okay." And one of the things that yeah. I like about the angels is that the fact that they've got this personality and they're, they're very vindictive. Uh, I mean, we, we saw this with um, the time of angels, the, the Matt Smith episode. That they've got, they get great delight. They they relish in. Um, yeah, there was one thing. Do you remember the countdown of Amy? Yeah, mm-hmm. that they didn't need to do, but they just done it. Yeah, just to you know, freak everyone out, and yeah. for their own amusement. And also, the old—I think someone says in this story—is it the old Peggy? She says um, that the angels um, sent them back just, just to be. A bit mean. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think two. it's 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 Claire saying that. Uh, oh the, right, yes, that's she right. She says that. The, Jumping ahead. Um, I can't remember the exact words, but it's basically that they're, they're loving seeing the Doctor try and work it all out. Yeah. yeah. So Claire's on top of the rock. Um, she, like, she says, she says to the Doctor, "It's been communicating with the Angel." It. So by it, does she mean the division? That's what... Or who's behind the division? Oh, maybe. I mean, because I just talk it saying it meant her angel was talking to the uh, others. Angel. That, that, that's... That, would, that would make sense because we do find out that the angel has been making a bargain. Yes. Yeah, maybe that's it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Yaz asks the doctor what, and this is an interesting word, uh, quantum extraction means. Mm. So, this is something that, that, that yes, of course, the, the angel said the doctor has been working it all out. And this terminology, a quantum extraction, um, kind of confirms something to the doctor. Um, at least that's the way I saw it. Um, so, the doctor says they've taken the village out of time and space to extract the target. Yeah. Um, so someone with a lot of power and control has is behind this um but yeah maybe it is the time lords themselves um harry on the live stream he seems sure that omega is behind it all um and the fact that swarm said that all this division stuff was happening during the dark times which confirms it happened a long time ago yeah in Time Lord history. Um, it could place it in a time when Omega is still there. In fact, we might get to see... It would make sense if we get to see like, Tech Teun and Omega and Rassilon in the early days. Because mm. we've saw the three of them um, as silhouettes in The Timeless Child. And in fact, there's an, the, there's an actor there I read somewhere, I think it might have been Chibnall or someone else that said this, but the actor, one of these three actors, one's Tech Dune, 
one's meant to be Omega and one of them's meant to be Rassilon and they cast him because he kind of resembled Don Warrington's Rassilon from the Big Finish Adventures. Oh, okay. He was in an early version of Rassilon. Mm. It's um, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's a possibility. We will we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it would be a big um, it would be a big thing to to have because oh, one, I think Omega is a, a fantastic uh, creation, a really good yeah. character. And in terms of the series, um, has only been in two episodes, uh, two stories, mm, the Three Doctors yeah. and Ark of Infinity. It'd be a big thing to to get him back. Um, so it's it's a possibility. So the Doctor tells the Rogue Angel to leave Claire, but you know it's made a better deal. Gets the angels to take the Doctor instead. They're coming to extract her, or or did they say they were coming to reactivate her or something or? Get it back into the division. I can't remember the exact word, but it it just seemed it something like that. Yeah, well, it's certainly been recalled by the division. Recalled, yeah, that was it. Um, and then I don't know what the relevance is to that, but then she gets turned into an angel, Mm, mm -hmm. um, which has good shock value as a cliffhanger. Yeah, it's um, it's certainly one of those. How's the doctor going to get out of this one? Like, what on earth is going to happen? Um, She'll pull some out of her pocket. No one flux. No one, <laughs> it'll not get resolved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, this is not the. No, end. Yes, this yes, isn't yes. going to be the last of the angels. Um, but because one thing, I, I don't know whether because it's given the fact of what everything everything happens at the end of the episode. Obviously, that's getting the main focus of, of people's attention. But not forgetting, the professor has an angel in his eye. Oh, yes. Aye. He does, doesn't yeah. he? Um, so, oh, it's not looking good for the professor then, unfortunately. No. Mm. Um, so, I suspect that the professor's going to come come back and, and uh, if, if not the... Ex- Ruin everything. Yeah, <laughs> if not the, uh, if not, uh, the next episode, then, then, then last. So, I think he'll come back and see McNally's performance because he's a great actor. I really like him. And second time he's been in Doctor Who. Um, so yeah, it's uh, be. I'm looking forward to seeing that, but it's uh, there's. It's going to be a double whammy of angels because he's got one in his eye. Yeah, so that's the end. Mm. So the credits roll to a different variation of the theme. Yeah, really stripped back. I I didn't know what to make of that. Is it uh, was it to reflect that? Because uh, it's the duh, 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 bit which has been removed, so because the doctor has been turned into an angel, is is it supposed to represent that her heart have stopped beating? Oh, I don't know. I think that's pretty deep. <laughs> 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 or is it? Because uh, I thought it was great. My, I've got to say that that wasn't my initial thought. That's probably me just like, you know, thinking about it too much. I just thought it was because it's stripping everything back. It's taking the Doctor back to the Division. I thought maybe it was... Back to our past. Yeah. So it's more of a classic theme. Yeah. Um, it was interesting as well. So we were getting into the... the you know, seeing that, that big dramatic cliffhanger. We're going into the um, the, the title... Uh, the, the credits, sorry. With that stripped back version of the theme tune. 
And then the, the credits are interrupted with the scene with Vinda. The the credits kind of glitch as well. Yeah. Uh, and I quite liked this scene and I quite liked how it was done. It it did irritate me with one aspect and I think you probably know what it is. Because in this scene, uh, there's, a, there's a recording of Belle of her leaving a message for Vinda. And, you know, she's... Your message, I love oh, you. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And it does that thing of going, and here are my coordinates. Oh, no, the thing I'm recording suddenly ran out of batteries. Uh, and then it doesn't get the coordinates. I went, oh, for goodness sake, really? We're doing that, are we? Um, yeah. uh, just... <laughs> um, it was a much stronger use of language. But my... <laughs> I said out loud when I watched it, I went, oh, for frig's sake. Uh, when I watched it when that happened and it was just oh that's so annoying that usual trope um, yeah but yeah uh, other than that I liked the scene yeah and then we went and then we went Collins, and then we went back into the credits like, um, I know I'll take you to <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe that's uh, my coordinates are Blackpool, Blackpool. <laughs> There's lights and everything. Yeah. So that kind of wraps up the episode. Um, Should we go on to responses now? Uh, Yep. Okay. So as usual, we asked people what they thought of this story. Daniel Cox said, It's very predictable. Reusing lots of old ideas made worse and crap added. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just... Right, okay. Um... Very predictable. Yeah. Reason lots of all ideas. Lots of crap. Yeah. Um, good Good opinion. Um, I don't quite agree. No, no. I, yeah, I don't quite agree. I mean, I think... From my perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I quite liked it, but it's... Uh, I think... It, it, I could definitely give that opinion about some stories, but not that, Yeah, not, not necessarily this one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think what it is, it's really at the end of the... You've got the angels brought back. And nothing's new. Nothing new is added about the, you know the, the mythos of the angels. But no. I quite like that because I think there's enough going on with them. Uh, it uses everything that's been established previously, and I think utilizes it really well. So yeah, I agree with you there. There's nothing new in the, in terms of the angels added. Um, no, we did have the big, the big, um, the big rock, the cave rock. Like, what is that? Like a meteor, right? A meteor. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's it, it's not a massive thing going, oh, it's a mode of transportation for the angels and a big massive reveal. I mean, in terms of the way that they go on, the way that they behave and what they do uh, follows what's already been established. But I think there's enough going on with the angels anyway. Um, yeah. I think add, adding something else would have been... Don't need to, don't need to add more crap. Yeah, <laughs> no, def- no, definitely not. Christopher Brett Hall uh, said... I feel that it was a better episode um, than last week's. I think the core story with the angels was great. Mm-hmm. The added scenes with Belle and Vinda, whilst fine on their own, really took a lot away from the flow of the episode. Especially how it took away from that final shot of the Doctor. Yeah, well that was what I was saying. It uh, The episode... The scenes themselves were fine, like them in of themselves but yeah in terms of the flow of the episode it, it did take you out of the viewing experience so yeah I, I agree with that 
Oh my god. Have you had a coffee rebel? No, it's a toffee. Do you not like toffee? It's alright, it was very hard. Alright, okay. <laughs> Rob Keely got in contact. Um, he said, uh, much better episode this week. Proper scary Doctor Who with mystery and monsters. Jodie is great when she gets the chance to be serious. Could happily have done without the bell scenes. Hope the cliffhanger gets resolved properly this time. I agree with the... It's certainly Proper Scary Doctor Who is very atmospheric. Um, uh, I like that a lot. And, you know, there's a mystery. Jodie was was great. Uh, I I agree with that. And definitely hope that we get a, a good resolution to the cliffhanger. Yeah. And maybe a few less bell scenes next time but hopefully not he doesn't mean the cloister bell scenes they're they're great mm-hmm. could, could bell be the cloister bell <laughs> no only no. one only one l yeah we had a tweet um i never know whether to go off someone's twitter handle or their username um karen kts11 fan of david paisley said Cloisterbell podcast, very entertaining podcast. Love on the yogurt scale. All right, good, good. But yeah, I think that's it for this week's responses. Yeah, and uh, we did the poll for this. Uh, well, you did the poll, put, posted a poll up on Twitter, and uh, oh, yes. got, got some good feet, uh, good number of responses. Uh, How many? Uh, Fifty-six uh, this week. Jeez. Yeah, so <laughs> more than usual. Um, so. 11% thought it was bad. Uh-huh. 5% thought it was average. Ooh. 84% good. Good. That's uh, mm. a lot of people. And overwhelmingly strong. Good. Yeah. I'm quite... Uh, that's quite nice to see for a Flux episode. Yeah. I think um, last week's was... I found disappointing. And I thought this was uh, was a return to form. Um, I like this episode, uh, so yeah, I would I would say it was good as well. Definitely. I hope um, hope the last two are good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they will be, and it's it's interesting. I think it's uh, we're going to see a return to unit by the looks of it. In the, oh yes, the next I, next episode because we saw Kate Stewart, and yes. I had you know trailers go by so quick. Uh, I had a total dim moment where I thought who is that I know that person and then I realised afterwards yeah yeah yeah. that'd be cool so um, we do our good average and, average and bad rating now go on then what do you rate it no it just was like a I can't <laughs> yeah. give it good that's it's good yeah no surprise there yeah, yeah same here <laughs> well that's it for this week thanks for listening if you've made it this far thanks for your responses Although we got more responses last week, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, I think... Uh, and, but the yeah, previous week yeah. we had zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all over the place. It's a bloody yeah. flux is what it is. Yes, it's in the state of flux. Yeah. Um, so we'll be back next Friday with our review of Flux Chapter 5. Mm-hmm. And you can also see me on the YouTube channel um, possibly Monday. We'll see... Um, when we record this episode uh, next. Um, but keep an eye on the socials and, and our website and we'll find out when that's out. And um, we'll discuss that on, on the live stream as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but quick reminder of socials. We're on 
facebook.com forward slash cloisterbell, twitter underscore bell, and no, <laughs> twitter at podcast bell, and we're on Instagram at cloister underscore bell. <laughs> and we have a website, cloisterbellpodcast.com, and you can support us on Patreon. And we've actually kind of revamped some of the benefits on there, so go and check them out. See what's available. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yep, bye everyone. Bye everyone. The TARDIS Cloister Bell. Imminent disaster. The Cloister Bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the Cloister Bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The Cloister Bell? Oh, no.